1: Show tangents: the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host Hank Green and joining me this week as always is science expert Sari Riley. Hi! And our resident everyman Sam Schultz. Hello. So as you two know um, the world is in a, quite a state uh, but, but one of the main <laughs> ways it's in a state is because of uh, this little, little carbon dioxide problem we got going on. We took a lot of uh stuff that used that was created by life and then fossilized and like got all that energy that the life stored up and chunked it together and then we started burning it and one of the things that that does is it really re-releases all of that carbon dioxide that those those things uh put into themselves to make themselves one way or another and now it's in the atmosphere and every every day is a little more and i was thinking they put it in the soda so why don't we put it all (laughs) And soda, we can have so much bubble water. In one water. big
0: soda for everyone.
1: Mm. How big of a soda do we have to make? It can't be the whole ocean. Why I not? know that for sure. How, how do you know that? Well, because uh, I just feel it in my bones. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> uh,
0: well, this seems like a math question, and I don't know how to answer it, but probably enough well, soda that it would really, like... Put a dent in people's drinking water i would imagine that wouldn't be good but
1: they could drink the soda
2: you could drink carbonate yeah, yeah. you don't have to put syrup in the soda basically okay. you're making fizzy no water. we don't
1: want to do that because like uh, farming sugar beets and sugarcane uh that's a lot that's uh, also, yeah. or corn is the i guess the main way that we get the <laughs> sugar in the in the sodas these days it's is pretty like, heavy industry, so we don't want to do that either. We, we just want bubble water. Put a
0: big soda stream in every water treatment plant that somehow collects the atmospheric mm-hmm. carbon
1: and then just... Mm-hmm. Psh, so then
0: all everybody has a sparkling tap water. Is that basically what you're saying? Yes. And okay. then
1: the real trick uh-huh. is that you can't burp.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask what happens to it after it goes in you.
1: <laughs> you have to not burp. Have you seen those videos on TikTok where there's a challenge to like, drink a liter of Sprite without burping? Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. <laughs> no. Have you done it? It's really good. No, I haven't done it. It looks deeply unpleasant. Should we all do it the, for the but show? It's, it's,
0: Should we start doing t- TikTok challenges for the show?
1: That's not a terrible idea. <laughs> okay. yeah.
2: You two can slap you know, each other You We gotta get viewership somehow. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, what happens is as you get through it, you discover that you have to burp and then they don't burp. And then about, I don't know, maybe 5% of the time, you do sort of projectile
0: Uh-oh. vomit oh. sprite. Okay, I'll oh. have to cover my computer up with a tarp before yeah. I try this next week.
2: <laughs> a little uh, Make sure splash zone poncho for my computer. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like the front row at a Gallagher thing. It's in the thing. splash yeah. zone for sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But but the rest of the time you just have the most epic burp and I've I've never burped the way pe- these people burp so part of me does want to experience that.
0: Could we make stuff that breathes carbon dioxide besides plants? Could you make a a bug do that or something? Well, we
1: got we got we got plants
0: and
2: that's yeah. People really make good. artificial leaves too, but they're that not. just kind of like sequesters carbon. We are carbon.
1: working on the artificial leaf thing, the and plant. I think we're going to keep getting better at it. The plants got to start pulling their weight a little better, though.
2: They're pulling. The plants so are so doing <laughs> great. <laughs> the seaweed, the trees, <laughs> all plants
0: all listening. Of the, try all harder. of the. No,
2: they're so the, tired. <laughs> <laughs> they're going as fast as oh. they can, and then it's getting yeah, hot, and, and they're the like. Little, uh, <laughs>
1: Uh, the little single-celled ones. The single-celled autotrophs in the oceans doing all that good work. Grow more cells,
0: you
2: bums.
1: We can't Oh, manage. man, they got so many. They're doing so much more work than we are. Yeah,
2: you know who's I love hindering them. their work? We are because yeah. they try to grow That's big true. and then we're like, mm, your flesh looks good for our uh, for our construction paper
1: and homes. Yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> so
2: we're going to kill you. I think
1: I'll turn you into the stuff I wipe my butt with. <laughs> uh, how yeah. does that sound? Congratulations
2: plants. on working so hard <laughs> to counter climate change.
0: No, we got to get plants into the um. marketplace of ideas.
1: Come on. We got to oh. get plants. Yeah, capitalist. plants. Yeah, look, we're never gonna truly respect you until you start having takes on Twitter, plants. <laughs> this is the only path forward for your species.
0: Plants, pull yourself your up kingdom, by your bootstraps. You got it. <laughs> your root <laughs> straps.
1: <laughs> <You're> <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Well, every week you're on tangents to get together to try to try to one up a maze and delight each other with science facts while not staying on topic. Our panelists are playing for glory and for Hank Bucks, which I'll be awarding as we play at the end of the episode. One of you two is gonna win. And I I hope that whoever it is feels awful good about it. Now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from Sari.
2: I think I've got it in my hair and on the bottom of my shoe. It's in my mac and cheese, I swear. And even there in super glue. In shells and bats, nylon and grass, in credit cards and parchment sheets, in paint and squash and petroleum gas, in astronauts and big athletes. But it's not table salt or a (laughs) titanium ring, nor water, nor ice, nor aluminum foil. So that narrows it down from everything to a subset within the air, sea, (laughs) and soil. The answer, my friend, if you've had enough, is one of the elements, atomic number six. You'll find carbon in a lot of stuff. Everything living on Earth, plus some tricks. So when you talk about (sighs) chemistry, you talk about us, our weird inventions and squishy bits, microscopic or global. Let's discuss and enter this battle of Hank Bucks and Wits.
1: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You missed the outtake where Sari said Hank Bucks. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How embarrassing.
1: (laughs) So the topic for the day is carbon, which... Look, you can't really play. Pr- yeah, you can, you can, you can play favorites with with the elements. Absolutely, uh, yeah. you can. You and if we are gonna play favorites with the elements, it's gonna be a carbon. Like oxygen, also good. Hydrogen, nitrogen, good, fine. But
2: carbon. Oh my god! All of your favorite foods, carbon.
1: All your favorite foods, yes.
2: No matter also, what, it all
1: is. foods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> but all your favorite foods are a subset of all foods, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so finally, we have reached a definable topic. I know. <laughs> it only
2: took us a hundred something do we episodes. We know what
1: carbon is. <laughs> Sari, what is carbon?
2: Yeah, it's a chemical element, has the symbol C. The atomic number is yep. six, which means it has six protons. And carbon 12 has six neutrons and six electrons, mm-hmm. and it's like neutral a non-charged sure. state. There are other isotopes yeah. of carbon, which means the number of neutrons varies in the nucleus. So you can have carbon 13, carbon 14, and that's the stuff that decays. Yeah, for but this is, is great dating. because
1: like the whole idea of chemistry is we were like, what are elements? It is like, it is defined by the number of protons it has. If yeah. it has six protons, it's carbon. It might be a carbon ion. It might be a carbon isotope, but it is carbon. Mm-hmm. So we know what carbon
2: is. We know. Yay! The easiest definition ever. Thank you, chemists, yeah. for making such <laughs> a precise borders yeah. around the thing element. Yeah.
1: But why is carbon so great? Why is carbon such a big deal? Yeah, why are why we not be... doing an episode on tungsten right now? Why can it be everything? I mean, I can answer this question yeah, if you go. can because you do. This, is my, this is my whole bag. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> Lignin so fan, mint
2: uh, green, please. Why is yeah, carbon so, so great? Yeah, so carbon,
1: yeah, because, it, uh, because of the way that um, the, uh, electrons, like, uh, jiggle with each other around atoms— Carbon has six electrons and the way that the electrons like to jiggle around <laughs> for physics reasons is that there's like a couple, there's like a bunch of different balls where they jiggle inside of called orbitals. And the first jiggle ball gets two and the second one gets six. And, uh, and so carbon has a total of six. So it's got two in the first one and then four in the second one. And so it wants four more electrons. So it's got four different opportunities to bond to four different things. Sometimes it double bonds. Uh, so it bonds to, it can bond to like to, Two different things, like carbon dioxide is two double bonds to two oxygens. Uh, But it it just like because of that, it can do so many different chemistry things. It's also so there are other things that that have this property where they can bond to four other things. But carbon is like little. And so it doesn't take up very much space. There's also lots of it. uh, But but a big piece of it is like it's physically small, which allows it to uh, to, you know, create more complicated chemistry they make like a it's like a
0: scaffolding upon which like everything yes it's
1: a great scaffolding so you can just like imagine carbon bonded to carbon bonded to carbon and that gives you uh since it's one carbon molecule one one carbon atom bonded to two others that gives it two more opportunities to do something else so you have this like long, long chain and it can be it could be double bonded to an oxygen. It could be bonded to uh, an alcohol, which is an OH group and something else. It can be bonded to another carbon and then you get carbon split into a bunch of different ways. Uh, and you could you could do anything. You can make these like you could make giant molecules that you could literally hold in your hand or you can make tiny molecules that are, you know, the in the air all around us right now. Hmm. Causing global warming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and making your soda bubbly
1: and making your soda bubbly and feeding the plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sherry, where does the word carbon come from cuz I find elements have excellent etymologies mm. often.
2: This one is I don't know if you'd call it excellent. It's it exists. I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we actually knew about carbon or knew about the idea of carbon as yeah. an element before the periodic table was solidified into a thing. Well,
1: as a thing, not an element.
2: As a yes, as a thing, I guess. As a, as a thing uh, that
1: existed. As yeah. a thing
2: that existed as an essential principle. A pure and essential principle is what it was called. Oh, okay. Uh Go so on. in in French it was carbone, which is just carbon with an E. Uh,
1: <laughs> which might have been pronounced. I'm sure carbon. that's how they pronounce it. Yeah. Carbone
2: yeah. <laughs> with okay. the emphasis on the bone. Uh, which was then anglicized to carbon. Um in 1788, when some French chemists, as they were want to be, uh, were adopting mm-hmm. a bunch of words from fa- French to English for English chemists to take take advantage of. Oh, it was coined in 1787 by
0: Lavoisier, great course, guy, mm-hmm. as
2: charbone, <laughs> which Charbon. kind of Charbon makes sense. Sounds like because a Pokemon. Yeah, it's cubone, <laughs> but burnt, um, which comes from Latin carbonem, which means a coal or a glowing coal or charcoal. Which yeah, the ash from that is a carbon yeah. residue. Um, so it comes from what it is, which is we burn something. There's like a carbonized mm-hmm. layer left over or dust, and that's that's carbon. Mm. I thought that was a great analogy. Nice. I don't
1: know what you're okay. talking about. Yeah. Well, now it's time for us to play a little game. Are you guys ready for this game that I have for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's called carbon, this or that. Carbon is a vital ingredient in our world, of course, which means that there are tons of ways to measure and quantify it. There are common things like measuring our carbon footprint, but also less typical things. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's game, this or that carbon. In each round, I'm going to present you with some way that we've been measuring carbon and then giving you two things to compare, and it's up to you to figure out which of the things is bigger. Does it make sense? I hope so. Are I you right? so.
2: <laughs> yeah, we got to pick okay. one of two things. Yeah. 50-50 chance yeah. of success.
1: <laughs> 50-50. So first, we're going to talk about radiocarbon dating, which is a widely mm. used technique that mm-hmm. shows up in archaeology and forensics, allowing people to estimate the age of a sample based on the amount of radioactive carbon-14 in it. In 2020, researchers at the University of Glasgow uh, published a paper titled Using Carbon Isotopes to Fight the Rise in Fraudulent Whiskey. According to their calibration curve, which of the following should have more radioactive carbon-14 in it? A whiskey distilled in 1966 or a whiskey distilled in 1980?
2: Those are both after atomic testing, which is. Yeah. I was like, that's going to be the trick. Does
0: that affect <laughs> things? Yeah, no. I think there'd be more in the one from 1966 because something is breaking down or something like that. Ah, oh, damn it. I think I'm wrong. Okay, I want to keep it though.
2: I also think 1960, I think it's... The older one, because I think it, but I don't know.
0: I feel like the wood has something to do with it, maybe. I'm changing my mind.
2: I'm changing my mind to the new one. 1960s. can do that. Yeah. So
1: 1966 for Sarah and 1980 for Sam. Yeah. Well, I would have gone with 1966, but I'm about to read you the answer, which I have not read yet. So I'm also (laughs) in the dark. (laughs) When it comes to radiocarbon dating, researchers have been making calibration curves that go back thousands of years. And very broadly, the older a sample is, the less- carbon there is due uh, to decay. But in 1955, there was a spike in carbon-14 in the atmosphere because of above-ground bomb testing that lasted until the Limited Test Ban Treaty that was signed in 1963. So a whiskey distilled in 1966 would have incorporated more of that carbon-14 than a whiskey distilled in 1980 after much of that carbon would have decayed. This is called the bomb pulse, and it's given scientists a more recent curve to fit uh, their samples into in the last century, helping them study a uh, bunch of stuff, and do forensics on things like fraudulent art and dead bodies, and even fake whiskey. So yes, whiskey distilled in 1966 should have more carbon-14. So that's a point for Sari. Now researchers have been developing new materials from carbon, including carbon nanotubes. And of course, they want to make sure that those materials are not toxic. So in 2009, a team of scientists from Brown University decided to see how the fruit fly Drosophila responded to different types of carbon nanoparticles at different points in their life. So which of the following was more toxic? Carbon nanoparticles that were fed to Drosophila larvae? or test tubes filled with carbon nanoparticle powder and then loaded with an adult Drosophila.
2: Oh. Oh, well that feels like different. You're drowning the adult one in in carbon. (laughs) And you're giving a little snack to a larva. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's just a snack. That's just
2: a a potato chip given to a a baby. I'm glad
1: that the Drosophila larvae are like, yeah, I'll eat that. I'm a maggot.
2: Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) I don't
1: on. know. Let's try it. It's out. made of carbon. That's mm-hmm. carbon's good. Yummy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the. I think the. I agree with your reasoning, Sari I think the adult one's breathing in there and being like, <laughs> no good for him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I. I. The adult seems like it would struggle more because yeah. carbon also isn't. I can't see it doing something like mutating or weird. In the larva's body, Mm -hmm. but maybe we'll find out.
1: Well, you are both correct. It turns out that being fed carbon nanoparticles didn't do much to the larva, and they did just fine physically and reproductively later on in life. Meanwhile, the researchers also put adult flies into test tubes that contained one of four different types of nanoparticles. And while two were fine for the flies, the other two ended up coating the flies and keeping them stuck like they were in some kind of tar pit. No, and the flies died within six to ten hours. Oof, you all right, geez. Sam? Are you sad for the flies? I am sad for the flies.
2: I could it's use nice, some nice. of that. We have fruit flies in our apartment. Give me those nanotubes. There's
1: probably a store-bought solution that might be a little more economical. <laughs> (laughs) But I don't know. Who knows? So they weren't quite clear on what was actually killing the flies, but the researchers found that the nanoparticles covered uh, the flies and might have been weighing them down while also clogging all of their breathing holes. Uh, this how that's how uh insects breathe. They just got a bunch got of holes, holes in them. I'd and, imagine, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's how the that's how the air gets in there. Uh, now the fact that some of the nanoparticles cause problems and others didn't suggest that the form of the nanoparticle itself was important in the final toxicity to the adult flies. The experiment also doesn't necessarily say much about how they're going to affect us because we do not have wings or breathing holes. I guess we have a we few got breathing we holes. got a couple breathing holes, but we can cover them <laughs> it's, up. It's co- it's kind of strange to have three breathing holes. It's kinda of weird we don't
0: have four. I should be able to breathe out of my butt. Actually. You can? Did you hear did you hear about this? Oh, I maybe did. Was there a pig that breathed yeah. out of its butt or something like that?
1: Yeah, they, they like put they put they they like found that you can help something that is not able to breathe right at that moment by putting oxygen into its rectum in one way or another. Great. And that yeah. actually does That does uh, help keep blood alcohol, blood, blood alcohol, blood (laughs) oxygen levels up.
0: Okay. So much like the bug, I am also full of holes. The air could just get it. You're full of breathing
1: holes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Round number three and our final round. African naked mole rats are cold-blooded, which means that they are not able to regulate their own body temperature. To understand how these animals move around their homes to control their temperatures, researchers from City University of New York studied their underground layers and found that the different chambers within them have different levels of carbon dioxide. So within a naked mole rat's underground home, which of the following has more CO2? The nest chamber or the toilet chamber? And yes, they have both of those. Naked mole rats are
0: cold-blooded? How did they end up this way? Okay. Uh,
2: (laughs) They lost their fur and they lost their internal homeostasis.
1: I love it when you name an animal and you're like, what does that look like? (laughs) Well, it looks like a naked rat mole. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it looks like a naked rat and it lives underground, so it must be a mole. Put them all together. Yeah. It's a naked mole rat. And it lives in Africa, so put that at the front. Yeah.
1: I just gotta say, we, we're we also hairless. So we're kind of like naked monkey. Naked <laughs> monkey guys. Naked na- monkey guys. That's <laughs> naked and it's a monkey. It what is like he like? Guy. We look like monkeys, but we also, because we like walk around on two legs, we're kind of like birds. Oh. So we're like a naked monkey bird.
2: If other animals call us that, better yeah more power and to like
1: all right yeah that makes sense. i
2: deserve it probably <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you can call me whatever you want after what i did to you uh-huh <laughs> when you're sleeping
0: oh when you're sleeping you want to be breathing of course it's true but when you're pooping yeah. you don't really care as much maybe they go in there and hold, you their hold your breath that's how yeah you <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah but that would make it lower in there well anyway
2: what do you they, think it's higher?
0: No. They're, they're yeah. venting it out of the, the, the nesting chamber. They don't care about the poop chamber, so that one has higher.
1: Yeah, they're getting all that CO2 in the poop hole. Yeah. Okay.
2: I think what that do you think, they're all sleeping, so you're just breathing out a lot. And I know astronauts sometimes have trouble. If they're not by a vent, they get like yeah. a bubble of carbon dioxide around their head and can Mm -hmm. asphyxiate. Just Mm -hmm. like a very scary idea that you can just breathe and (laughs) not realize. Um, Uh And so I think naked mole rats are similar where they're just breathing and not realizing. And then when they get out of the nest, they're like, wow, fresh. Uh, And don't realize that it's because they've been breathing in and out their old stale air.
1: Well, Sari is correct. Congratulations. I'm a genius Uh, this episode. uh, (laughs) You're doing great.
2: That's the nest
1: chamber where the queen rat spends much of uh, her time with the breeding male, there's apparently a queen rat, has Mm. the highest concentration of CO2 of all the chambers with around 2.3% of the total atmospheric pressure. In comparison, the toilet chambers are around 0.05. And the food chambers, there's a lot of chambers, are around a half a percent. The researchers were very interested in this because it seems like the naked mole rats seek out higher carbon dioxide levels, which they realized actually helps protect them from having seizures they spend around 70 percent of their lifetime in that nest chamber and when researchers infused carbon dioxide into the into certain chambers they found that the mole rats tended to visit those chambers more often they like it that way in addition in addition the researchers found that uh when naked mole rats were exposed to hot air with low carbon dioxide levels the rats would start to hyperventilate and seize but they did not do this when the hot air had higher co2 levels the researchers hypothesized that because naked mole rats lack the uh, switch that many of us rely on to control electrical activity in the brain they instead rely on co2 to prevent seizures what? wild that is what weird little fellows
0: wild.
1: there's only there's only one way to be a naked mole rat and it's weird it's a weird way uh-huh. <laughs>
0: yeah it's like they read a book about ants and they were like let's try that
1: okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sari, congrats on your three points to Sam's one. Next, we're going to take a short break. Then it'll be time for the Fact Off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it.
2: And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Miriam Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. Oh, and that's I all good and fine, out. but old Miriam <laughs> and Webster... <laughs>
1: All right, everybody, get ready for the Fact Off. Our panelists have all brought science facts to present in an attempt to blow my mind, and after they've presented their facts, I will judge them and award them Hank Bucks any way I see fit. But to decide who goes first, I have a question. Are you ready? Yeah. Who cares? Oh. Not me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So carbon cycles through many different reservoirs through our planet, including the crust, the ocean, the soil, the atmosphere, and using models and various other methods, scientists are able to estimate the amount of carbon in these different reservoirs. Around 85.1% of all above-surface carbon is in the deep ocean, making up about 37,000 gigatons. Meanwhile, our atmosphere has a lot less carbon. How many gigatons of carbon are there in the atmosphere? Again there's 37,000 gigatons uh, in the ocean where there is more how many gigatons are in the atmosphere And that's
0: 85.1 so hypothetically we should be able to figure out like the right answer Well
1: you could get you could get close using math yes but I don't expect <laughs> you will
2: that's A problem for me Are you going to do <laughs> math Theo <for you>? Yes. <laughs> oh my Did gosh.
0: you get out your phone you're you doing a calculator I'm writing it down on a piece of paper Wow Oh wow
2: I'm going to assume that it's part us, part atmosphere, bigger part atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe like.
1: There's also not deep ocean.
2: Yeah. That's so, shallow
1: true. ocean, atmosphere, life.
2: Dirt. That's yeah. above the crust.
1: <laughs> Dirt, also a big deal.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say 5,000 gigatons of carbon is in the atmosphere.
0: Uh-oh, I ran out of time to do math. I'm going to say you keep 4,999.
1: <laughs> wow, Sam, you're the winner. It's 590. Oh, a mere 590 oh, gigatons that's of, it. of carbon. Oh. That seems like a solvable problem. Now that's that we've said it that way, somebody get the bottles. The
2: plants are trying really hard. Sam, yeah, I need to apologize to plants. No, I think it actually makes
0: the plants seem a little worse because there's not that <gasps> much up there.
1: Oh, Yo, yeah, what are
2: you
0: doing? <laughs> no. See now Hank agrees with me. <laughs> no,
2: the plants are doing so good. It's so much
0: plants ep- The next SciShow episode will the thumbnail will say plants are lazy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We're calling them out.
1: They're ruining everything for us. <laughs> uh-huh. We plants. put so much CO2 in the atmosphere and they're like, I'm trying. I'm I'm full. <laughs> Eat.
2: Over <laughs> your plants. Eat like your dinner. German.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so sam who do you want to go
0: first i'm gonna go first seize the day i'm being brave i'm brave sam now much like wood silk from silkworms and spiders is very useful but people suck at making it only in the ass of spiders and worms can (laughs) such a wonder material be made Silkworm silk has been used in textiles for forever because it's so smooth and nice, but it's also very strong and can be used in medical applications like sutures and probably other cool super science-y stuff. And spider silk, as you've probably heard, is frequently touted as the wonder material of the future. And in fact, we just made a big list show on SciShow about this. But to summarize... Since it's so strong, spider silk, like one of the main things, is that it could have tons of uses in material engineering, including for things like bridge cables or biodegradable plastics. And while sure, these materials are pretty dang strong already, we are humans and we must tinker. So there have been many things tried Mm -hmm. to make these silks stronger. We've meddled with the DNA of these animals, we've replicated the silk in ways that make the proteins that give it its strength bigger. We've taken silk after it's been spun and messed with it to add various particles to make it stronger. But in the last several years, scientists have come up with a much simpler way to produce strong silks than by messing with the building blocks of life. In 2016, a paper was published detailing an improved silkworm silk that was 50% stronger than regular silk, and when exposed to extreme heat, it could conduct electricity, like you'd bake it into something that could conduct electricity. Such a silk could be used for tougher sutures, components and bioorganic implants powered by the human body, and even smart clothes filled with super light electronics. Uh, And how did the team make this super material? Well, they made silkworms eat carbon nanotubes. So carbon nanotubes are, as the name implies, very tiny tubes of carbon atoms with, I think, the highest tensile strength of any material we know of. Tensile, is it tensile? Tensile is what you put on trees. It's, it's, I think it is tensile though. Okay. Yeah. They have applications in nanotech because they conduct electricity and they're real strong, but they can also be added to other stuff to make those materials stronger. Like, uh, I think we've talked about on this show how carbon nanotubes were found in Damascus steel, which is a famously strong type of steel that we don't really know how to make anymore. Mm -hmm. So anyway, inserting nanotubes into silkworm silk has been tried before, I think, with silk that's already been spun. But these scientists just mixed some nanotubes with water and sprayed it on leaves. And then the worms ate it and crapped out super silk. So pretty easy. <laughs> and then another group of scientists did the same thing with spiders in 2017. Uh, and got silk that was three times stronger than natural spider silk. What? Which I think put spider silk, they said, on the same level as like carbon nanotubes in terms of strength. It became like one of the strongest things we've ever discovered. So silkworms can make enough silk that making like super silk like this at scale is pretty simple. Just as simple as spraying leaves with water, but spiders on the other hand, make way less silk. And we're still figuring out how to make spider silk proteins without a spider. But since this process requires a spider to eat the, the nanotubes and spin it into a web, all we've done here, it seems to me is given spiders super
1: webs, (laughs) which, Hey, I think that, why not? Try it out. I, I don't know. See what happens. Seems bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There is a concern that they could, I don't like walking into a spider web and I wouldn't like walking no. into one that's made of super and silk like even more, line. I think. Yeah. So you just, you they just, like it's weird to me that you put a nanotube into a silkworm and that it ends up going, like it doesn't just poop it out. No. It ends up going into the silk into part. This little thing. I would yeah. think it would just poop it out. That's great. That's very cool. I'm confident that someday we will have a bunch of spiders that sort of make everything for us.
0: And then aliens will come to our planet and see all of our spiders making everything. And they'll go, these guys are weird. Don't mess with those guys.
1: No, no they'll be like, wow, that that entire planet is run by spiders. That's weird. We've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. it's sp- almost everything on that planet is a spider or a chicken. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then there's some naked bird guys walking around too. I don't know what they <laughs> Naked ape birds, yeah. Okay. Sari,
2: what do you got for us? So foams are a weird and curious part of material science. They're kind of related foams. to Foams. Foams, F O A M S. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't enunciate, which is bad for in a podcaster, but <laughs> uh they're kind of related to bubbles if you listen to that episode of tangents but i'd argue that foam is a distinct category of thing in yes you
1: would because you had really strong bubble (laughs) opinions people have disagreed with you about your bubble opinions already oh no yeah
2: well no like me for example Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah i expected that so anyway in engineering uses for example foams are often solid materials with pockets of gas dispersed throughout it They're useful because they're generally really low weight, but strong and have different properties based on the atoms that make up the solid bits. And as far as I can tell, carbon foams aren't everywhere like styrofoams or polyurethane foams, but seem like pretty useful things. Uh, Carbon is not super explosive because carbon structures have a really high ignition temperature. They can conduct electricity and depending on how the foam is structured, it can either conduct or insulate from heat. So scientists are excited to use carbon foam for things like aerospace insulation or even in batteries. And the ever-present challenge with new materials is finding ways to manufacture them that are worthwhile to whoever's making them, whether that's quick or cheap or ethical when it comes to labor or environmental impact lots of different factors. And the main ways that carbon foams have been developed so far involve carbon-rich byproducts like coal tar. By putting it under a lot of pressure, it'll foam up and then can be stabilized and shaped into the foam that you want. But a 2016 paper described a totally different method to create 3D carbon foam structures that felt extremely like something that we would joke about here, except it's real. To make carbon (laughs) foam, they baked and then burnt the heck out of a loaf of bread. (laughs) (laughs) so their materials and methods section of so they the paper. just
1: they, they baked a <laughs> loaf of bread yes. so that's the first part you don't can't really get a loaf of bread without baking it yeah so they, that was kind of given
2: it was given and yeah. then they
1: then they just cooked it
2: Then they burnt it yeah so the materials and methods section of the paper is literally a recipe for baking bread (laughs) playing with different amounts of yeast and flour and water to make the crumb different for example quote in a typical process five grams dry yeast was dissolved in 115 milliliters water by stirring after completely dissolved the mixture was poured into 300 grams flour which was placed into a dough mixer in advance that's just a bread (laughs) recipe that's on. (laughs) google how to make sourdough bread Except instead of eating it, they stuck it in an oven to dry for 18 hours at 80 degrees Celsius and then stuck it in a tube furnace with argon gas at 1000 degrees Celsius to carbonize it. Basically, they didn't put oxygen in there to help prevent flames Mm. and control the decomposition Mm -hmm. process to leave a carbon rich husk behind. It's totally possible if you like leave a pizza in an oven for way too long, but this way does it quicker and ensures it. And that tasty breadcrumb became the pores of a carbon foam. They tried soaking chunks of their burnt bread in ethanol and setting it on fire, and it maintained its shape. So it was heat resistant. And they found that this carbon <laughs> foam shields electromagnetic radiation fairly well, which is also <laughs> seen as a plus for aerospace uses or other technologies. So Bread it's like, planes. Are we going to have bread spy bread planes? planes? I bread think planes. So. I think we're going to have bread camouflage.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna sur- like we're gonna surround our Teslas and bread <laughs> so the EMPs can't get us. Yeah.
2: But that's it. It's light, it's strong, and super burnt bread is now the best thing since sliced bread. These scientists are geniuses. That's the end of my fact. I love it. And this is so fun.
1: Is it crumbly? Like this is my concern. Like if I just like squeeze it, does it turn into a bunch of dust? Or is it good is it good firm, firm foam? They toast it's, it
0: up real good.
2: It's huh? firm. It's like really Really burnt.
0: Did they call it bread, or were they lying to themselves about what they were doing? No, they called, they called, it,
2: called it. They okay. called it bread in the paper. That it was okay. called multifunctional stiff carbon foam derived from bread.
0: Okay, good, good.
2: So they they knew what they were doing. Stiff carbon foam derived from bread.
1: This is fun. I That's love it. Really good, Sari. Oh, two high quality facts. I feel like I'm learning so much about and I'm also gaining just an appreciation for the work of scientists and optimism about the future.
2: <laughs> it's a bread our, spider our bread future. super silk
1: future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Sari came into that one solidly in the lead. Those facts are very equally good. So Sari is going to run away with the episode. Congratulations, Sam. Wow. Uh, I have every faith in you for that you could come back and i don't know what kind of deficit you're operating at right now yeah. but it feels like a bit of one
0: no i think i'm doing okay you
1: don't I've know i've seen you i've seen you've gone on some runs this this yeah. season yeah
2: we were tied and now i'm ahead by one i think oh wow so take that. it
0: back wow. preconceived Series notions about keeping... me hmm <laughs> i just that's not it at all sam you didn't go to mit so surely <laughs> you don't know anything
2: <laughs> surely you're bad at game shows sam <laughs>
1: <laughs> congratulations sari now it's time to ask the science couch where we ask a listener question to our virtual couch of finely honed scientific minds sam's dad suggested that since sari and i are theoretically the science couch that, <laughs> that sam should ask the science couch question uh so sam what's our science couch question today's question comes from
0: at ryan laser who asks can i eat it which Just, I guess what, means carbon? carbon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the answer is yes because we talked about it so many times you can eat it.
1: So, well, if you didn't eat any carbon, you would die. Well, sure. I mean, you could do it for a while. Pretty pretty quick. Uh, yeah, like
0: you could I mean, spend a day the not same amount carbon. of time I want
1: a carbon yeah, The same amount of it. time that you could eat. yeah, survive eating nothing. Yeah. It's a necessary ingredient for being alive.
2: Yes. And it and it can be dangerous. Like that's the other thing. You can eat you can eat it. You need to eat it. Uh, you can also just swallow it and it'll pass right through you. So if you eat a diamond, it's just going to pass right through you.
1: Yeah, You'll that'll poop be it fine. Out.
2: Um, but there's
1: ways to eat carbon where it would be bad for you.
2: Yeah. And there's always a chance, like, yeah. so I was I fell down a rabbit hole of diamond dust and there was a lot of anecdotal stuff about grinding up diamonds and then feeding it to people as poison because oh. the shards would cut Slicy up your intestines up. a little bit. There wasn't any, like... Yeah. There weren't a lot of confirmed deaths. It was more like you, you, well. you
1: think you think maybe that just sounds cool, and yeah. so people wrote about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During
2: the Renaissance, they were like, "Ha ha ha! My evil plot! I'm going to assassinate someone by There's grinding up of, diamond."
1: Lots of cheaper poisons yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's. I feel like we know about a bunch of ways to to let people kick it.
2: Yeah, including plenty of other carbon-containing compounds. You got plenty yeah. of toxins that are made naturally by plants and animals, fungi, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't want to eat those because those yep. will be bad for you. Yeah. So, can I eat it sometimes if Depends. it's food? Yes.
1: <laughs> if it's a pizza, yeah. If yeah. it's a yeah, I don't know. Can I eat that baked bread? Ooh!
2: I bet the, the, it would that cut hard, your mouth hard, up hard so foam. bad. You
0: know, you have a too much of a yeah. toasted piece of toast, and it hurts you. It'd yeah. be
2: sharp. Probably, it'd be like swallowing a Mister Clean magic eraser. Probably, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> like sandpaper your guts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't want to do that. So yes, eat carbon, but not every time. So. <laughs> yeah. Only sometimes. If you want to ask the Science Couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can join the SciShowTangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thanks to Emily17 on Discord and at Lululow715 and everybody else who asked us questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's so easy to do that. Please do it. (laughs) First, you can go (laughs) You can go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash scishowtangents. There's a bunch of amazing stuff that you get access to, and you help us continue making the show. Second, you can leave us a review and let people know how much you like our show. That helps us also know what you like about it. You can tell us what you think we should do differently, like Sam's dad, who gave us <laughs> a great piece of advice there. years <laughs> into the, the podcast. And finally, if you want to show your love for show Tangents, just tell, tell people, people about, about us. It. Thank you for joining us.
2: I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've
1: been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our editor is Seth Glicksman. Our story editor is Alex Villow. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzzbezio. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Trakravarti. Our sound design is, of course, by Joseph tuna Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing, activated charcoal is a super porous form of carbon where each particle has a huge surface area. So it's really good at adsorption, which is where the surface of one substance sticks to other molecules like poisons in the human gut, dissolved organic substances in water or even gas particles in air, including some, quote, odiferous rectal gases, a.k.a stinky fart compounds (laughs) so naturally there are products out there like underwear made of carbon fibers or activated charcoal pads that you can insert uh into the underwear to help people keep their gassy butts odor odor free we could eliminate fart
0: stink from the world and we choose not to why we do you gotta pay to
2: play
1: yeah <laughs> pay to play underpants uh they should give it to astronauts though absolutely
2: oh yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: it's gotta be so stinky in that tin can uh,
2: but oh you my can God.
0: but like we said earlier you can pick a corner and you're like that's a fart corner everybody go over it's there it's gonna stay in that corner and it's all gonna be in there it's fine you can close the lid of a you can fart into a box and close the lid and that's just your <laughs> fart box
1: can you imagine being, like, the one astronaut with the stinkiest farts and everybody knows it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like there's only so many people up there at any time, and so everybody must know what each other's farts yeah. smell like. That fart mm-hmm.
0: is directly next to your butt. You farted that fart. <laughs> there's no other words we could have done. Yeah. <laughs>